Hey there, and welcome to Young Nostalgia, the podcast for the young at heart and with a passion for the past. I'm Nolan, sitting beside me is Ben, and today we're talking all about the 1980s. Super excited to talk a lot about the music, a little bit about the pop culture how we relate to it, and the big things that happen back there. Just a quick little plug, subscribe, rate, and share Young Nostalgia on iTunes, Google Play, as well as find us out on Podbean at youngnostalgia.podbean.com. You got anything that you want to hear on the show or want to be a guest, give us an email, youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. Without further ado, Ben, how you doing? I'm doing great today. How you doing, Nolan? I'm actually doing pretty fantastic, so let's dive right in to the <laughs> 1980s. So kicking us off um, for music, music was huge in the 1980s, and that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on on this episode. So the big thing, I mean, like people always talk about this when it comes to the, the influence of music, and that's when MTV, Music TV, actually started, and the first air date was August 1st of 1981 with the ironic song the by the Bugles, Video killed the radio star. So history was actually really made when this happened. So when you think about MTV, what do you think about? Well, I mean, it's kind of in the name. I mean, it's music TV, which is kind of not really what it is anymore. But I think that's still kind of what most people think of it as. Yeah, no, and like it's weird because I always grew up in elementary school. I'd watch like music videos from six till eight or whatever before we had to go um and that was really how we got the new music but anymore it's more of reality tv shows and it's really kind of changed in the way of music might not be the biggest staple like it was back in the 1980s yeah i mean i don't spend a lot of time on mtv really the most time i'm ever on there is you know passing it in the channels when i'm surfing um but (laughs) (laughs) i can't say any time recently have i you know seen any sort of music on there music videos, music in general. I, I, you just don't really see it anymore. Yeah, I know, and it kind of blows my mind. But um, I guess trailing back a little bit to the to the launch of MTV, um, it, it really made successes out of people like Madonna, Michael Jackson, Duran Duran, and many others who really embodied the picture of music rather than just the sound. And that was the big thing of MTV, was the picture and visualizing it. It was more of a, it, it brought image to music rather than just, seeing the band live you know yeah i mean music music videos were they were pretty huge um anyway and then being able just to flip to a a uh a tv station and watch music videos i mean that was uh that was quite a thing and i music videos are they, they still make them and they're still popular but i just i don't you just don't see them as much as um as you really did in the 80s and when they were super popular and and uh you always hear, you know, music videos talked about, uh, whether you're talking to people about older music or uh, TV shows about, you know, different uh, time periods. And you always hear about the old music videos. And when someone will, you know, you might be talking about a certain song to someone and be like, oh, yeah, I remember the music video. I remember, um, you know, this happening in the music video and this being really cool and stuff. And uh, yeah, and it was, it was definitely even like a first exposure to people. Like when we talked to, um, Chad, Chad Smith from Retro Music and Media, really it was music videos that did him in to get him into his collecting habits. Right. Because he saw yep. these bands, listened to their songs, and that's what started it. Yeah, there was a lot more of a, uh, a connection between 
the audience and the artists rather than just, you know, picking up an album and listening to it. You actually got to see them. Um, you know, a music video is not necessarily the most realistic form of media, but uh, <laughs> you still got to see the bands. You got to see who these people are. I mean, maybe before you didn't even know what they look like until, you know, you watch a music video. Exactly. And then this is where the whole big hairband style came in when you think <laughs> of like Van Halen oh, and, yeah. and Cheap Trick and all these, you know, all these guys. But um, so going off of the MTV, it really made a big start of Michael Jackson. I mean, this guy exploded in the 80s with his music video Thriller, which, I mean, people can instantly pick out when heard on the radio right away. And oh, it was yeah. actually the most sold album of all time, um, which is cited to be around 75 million copies of Thriller, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, that is that's huge. 75 million. I'm sure it's still going. Yeah. Especially after <laughs> I mean, like, you know, him his passing away and everything, which was oh, a really big deal. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, Thriller, I mean, it's just one of those songs and music videos that everyone knows. I don't it doesn't matter what type of genre you're into. Even if you don't really like Michael Jackson, you know what Thriller is. Yeah. Exactly. And when we talk about like fashion and the image of music, Madonna was really a staple in <laughs> 1980s fashion because of her style yeah. and through um <laughs> through through music videos. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so Talk about <laughs> 80s fashion kind of gets a little weird. What? <laughs> that could be a whole nother episode, I swear. Oh, um, oh I know. But <laughs> tailing it up for um kind of influential influential moments in music. In the 1980s, the, actually, the Sony Walkman was released, where you put like cassette tapes, and you could pretty much walk around with them, <laughs> just like we do iPhones now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's thinking about it now, it's such an antiquated technology. But I mean, back then, what was your alternative? Carrying, you know, I mean, it's de- cassettes are definitely smaller than eight tracks, and I'm pretty sure they never had like portable eight track players walking around with um, <laughs> probably not i mean they had they had those uh, vinyl players in cars <laughs> so yeah yeah <laughs> Jeez. i mean i i, oh, I had a walkman when i was really young and i think it was pretty outdated even then but i had one and i would listen to music on it i know i mean it's super cool until like the whole cassette gets screwed up and it's all <laughs> you know you know what i'm talking about yeah you end up with just a wad of tape <laughs> oh boy and then finally the one one of the biggest things in music which we still see to this day is the parental music resource center so this is when like they actually brought the bill to the senate and the house for parental advisory stickers to be created and to quote-unquote rate music like they do movies and this was a big big thing back in the 80s because a lot of these bands you know, they could be singing about one thing through the lyrics, but they mean another thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah, and they're rating the music off of what the lyrics are, but they're re- referencing something else. So it's like, who are these people to tell what music means when people listen to it? Right. And the kind of the whole point, you know, of of the lyrics in general, they're they're somewhat subjective and they can be taken, you know, however it will. And... It's kind of a, a touchy thing to be able to, or to try to interpret definite meanings from things, whether that's what's actually implied or what's not. And so you get in kind of a, a gray area uh, when you're trying to uh, determine the, the whether there's a hidden meaning to it or if it's ta- supposed to be taken as literal. And, you know, well, if that's the... Uh, <clears throat> If there's an underlying intended message, then, well, I mean, is that the part that's being censored, even though nothing actually bad is being said? You know, it's just kind yeah. of a weird, just kind of a weird uh, 
system. Yep, and we still see it to today. So, still going on. <laughs> anyway, handing the reins over to you. What do we got? <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll start right off. You uh, start right off talking with the parental advisory stickers. Um, and the actual first band to have a, uh, a label applied on their album was uh, Guns N' Roses with Appetite for Destruction. And this is, I mean, Guns N' Roses is kind of known... Uh, for that, uh, the the 80s, there's kind of a, a counterculture going on, similar to what we've talked about in the past. And so this was the very first time uh, any music had been labeled as uh, parental advisory or explicit or anything like that. Um, so that's kind of interesting, interesting that uh, Guns N' Roses kind of leading this counterculture had that label. Yeah, and it's definitely interesting, too, because Guns N' Roses really took off with MTV as well. Because, I mean, if you think of, like, Sweet Child of Mine... It's a fantastic song, but you know it's awesome to <laughs> sing along and listen to the guitar riffs. But then when you look at the MTV itself, it's actually about like this, you know, tight leather wearing woman kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, you know that's kind of a, a common theme between a lot of these bands. Uh, you know, in the the resurgence of rock in the eighties, um, kind of leading up to this uh, late seventies, early eighties ish, um, for the most part it was kind of getting a little bit softer that was kind of the the theme there was the the southern rock that was real popular in the late 70s and uh yeah and just rock itself had kind of gotten a little bit softer a little bit more mellow and then you know 1983 ish to 1989 there was a real uh resurgence of the heavy rock um and we we started to see uh bands and artists like Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, uh Motley Crue's huge uh, Quiet Riot, Twisted Sister, of course, and all these, uh, whether they're heavy metal or just hair bands, I mean, it was all kind of bringing back a heavy rock uh, sound back to the mm-hmm. media. Kind of bringing that whole counter counterculture that rock was founded on, but more of a modern time, if you could think back to the 80s, that, uh, that I mean, obviously we didn't live that way, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, rock was just, it was like accepted for what it was, but these bands brought a different kind of rock to the table. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of the same idea. Of, we talked about uh, counterculture in the 60s in previous episodes, and it's really kind of the same thing. It's It's got, like you said, it has a modern twist, but it's really the same thing to where it's um, predominantly youth and not necessarily fitting in with the, the, common, uh, the common themes in, like, pop music popular music of the time um and so you see this this resurgence of rock come in um and it was really just about uh you know kind of living and there was the 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 uh the loudness the uh the it was kind of just against the system kind of thing that you know that's kind of what rock is known for and has made its way back yeah and there was there was kind of a in addition to that, I mean, it, it was kind of a, in addition to the loudness, there was a definite um, tone change, too. There was uh, even bands, like for Queen, for instance, I mean, they've been around forever. Um, and even their sounds, it's not just, you know, individual bands popping up and going away. I mean, th- throughout this whole time period, different groups and bands, their sound changed and they came slamming back with um, some really heavy uh, guitar driven sound back, you know, from kind of some softer, uh, 
softer melodies and and uh there's a lot of vocal stuff that you know and and the guitar stuff kind of sort of faded in the background a little bit and then came uh through the 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 rock in the 80s kind of came right back with the heavy guitar yeah definitely when when we think about queen they kind of changed the style back to what rock was becoming in the 80s mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that's just you know kind of one example and there's, there's tons of uh bands and artists that had been around you know prior to the 80s of course but you know they they still continued their career and they kind of their sound kind of changed with with the time and they were able to uh continue the career and really thrive yeah bands like that we kind of read them down like sticks mm-hmm. rush journey foreigner aerosmith is huge. yeah aerosmith really changed yeah and and so and kind of going along with that i mean part of the reason that stuff was was kind of changing we saw uh a couple deaths that kind of uh of, of notable musicians that kind of sort of you know as those bands were falling off then it kind of left an uh, a vacuum for this a newer sound to come in i mean uh led zeppelin of course disbanded after john bonham's death in 1980 um and the whole and the the country rock thing i talked about a little earlier um it kind of died out 1977ish um with Leonard Skinner plane crash and mm-hmm. you know throughout this time I mean there was people like Bob Dylan the Eagles the Pure Prairie League and a lot of popular uh southern rock kind of sounds that um they just didn't really stick around too long after that you know I mean Bob Dylan the Eagles I mean they were still around but they just didn't have the prominence that they once had had yeah, and definitely with the Eagles, like I mean, they changed their style after that. Um, went a little bit more to the hard rock era. Yeah. Um, but then even now, when you listen to like the Eagles, I think they came out with a new album ten years ago or so. But they went back to the whole country rock style mm-hmm. with more lyric and soft guitar driven based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I don't know it's if kind you've of interesting. Like, I I have not. I think it was I have like not. I think it's Long Road Out of Eden. It's really good. But anyway, all <laughs> <laughs> right, um, I'll check that out. But after, even now, I I'll mean, check that out after Glenn the show. Glenn Fry passed away. It kind of changed them too. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, when he when he passed, there was uh, uh, quite a bit of music sales and hits on uh, online marketplaces and stuff for uh, for the Eagles. I'm sure that was pretty huge with the uh, with their market. Yeah, sorry to do derail you there a little bit. Keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. And and of course, at this time we start to see uh, quite a bit of the heavy metal getting uh, getting started or getting going. Um, we saw Ozzy Osbourne was around, but it really started to get uh, get going, getting gear. Um, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. Um, I'm not a huge. Uh, I'm not a heavy metal kind of guy. Um, I'm I'm not that familiar with Iron Maiden, but Judas Priest I can really, really appreciate. I have quite a bit of Judas Priest in my uh, in my music collection, um, <laughs> and it's just that it's kind of a, a unique sound that you know it, it's not really seen any other uh, time period. There are, there is other heavy metal. You know, it was popular maybe a little before, and it's still popular now. But um, this was kind of the the heyday for heavy metal it kind of took the hairband stuff just to a next level you know what i mean yeah yep and then here comes the parental advisory to shut that shit down <laughs> oh yeah no <laughs> kidding <laughs> <laughs> all right so um continuing into the uh 
whole new music generation of the 80s. Soft rock really came around, and these are um, artists like Bruce Springsteen um, going more towards like a lyric-driven style as well, especially with um, one of his biggest albums that everyone knows, Born in the USA in 1984. Um, very much like meaning, lyric, um, and pretty much just like melodic-based mm-hmm. throughout USA, and, and it uh, just exploded. Um, you got Billy Joel, um, artists like Hall & Oates with very much like synthetic piano going on. John Mellencamp, Cyndi Lauper, which everyone knows as well, um, was a hu- like super influence throughout the 80s um, with the style of music that there was. And, you know, if, if I can say something real quick, you talked about the, uh, the synthesizer piano kind of thing. Um, that's something that's really starting to get huge, especially in, in the rock um, kind of genre just and that was it was partly i'm sure is the technology being able to do that um easier it was you know cheaper to do that i mean brand new technology you can do is a new sound um and so that's something interesting that you see really really heavy in the 80s as well yeah you see that a lot especially with like journey and ario speedwagon and sticks as well yeah yep so an- another side of this that is super important is kind of the rise of the hip hop culture, um, which was even more of a subculture than what the heavy metal was. Um, a lot of on defiance and oppression of, um, you know, kind of just the racial tensions that was going on in the USA um, around the 1980s after Vietnam and um, all that, all that kind of um, big influence yeah. and stuff like stuff like that so this is when we see um artists like run dmc ll cool j started his career nwa um came out with a straight out of compton which was huge they even made a movie about it yep. and then that really changed the tides of, of music and then we also see beastie boys as well yeah yeah i mean it, it's it's not a particular genre that i uh, spend much time uh looking at or listening to um but you can definitely see the uh significance you know of modern pop culture um from the kind of the rise of the hip-hop in the 80s yeah and that kind of style of music a lot of times hits on the hard points that our current culture is even experiencing you know right and back then they did the exact same thing Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's really you know it's really all the same stuff it might be just in a different rapper yeah (laughs) see what i did there (laughs) i like it i like it (laughs) all right bud (laughs) All right, and and you know I I talked a little bit earlier about the uh, the southern rock. Um, it was kind of dying out a little bit, but you know on the other side of that, country was also huge in the eighties. Um, you know all all through the, it kind of changed a little bit um, through the the late seventies going into the eighties. But then we was, in the eighties we saw the 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 really big players, the Kenny Rogers, Ricky Skaggs, George Strait, Garth Brooks, um, and then there was a lot of artists that were you know, started their careers a lot earlier, but they transitioned right into the 80s country um, themes. And their, I mean, their career prospered, and some of them are still, you know, still around today, and they made some really late albums that were um, still successful. I mean, guys like Hank Williams Jr. was huge um, Mm -hmm. before then, and moving right into the 80s, kind of swooped right in and went with it. Um, George Jones, I mean, he was around forever, I think he's been making yeah, so country music since the beginning of time. <laughs> uh, you know, and Merle he, uh, Haggard. Founded what, country music. Yeah, yeah, Merle Haggard forever. Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, another huge one. And yep. it's this is I mean we the the rock is 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 kind of uh 
the rock is one thing just because it's kind of been around forever but the, the country and it, it, it kind of the genre of rock is so wide that it it uh can it, it kind of fits in closer to everything and country into this time period with the other styles you know the hip-hop coming around that sort of thing just the prominence of country is kind of interesting that mm-hmm. uh that that was still a huge hugely popular genre yeah honestly i think one of the biggest kind of players in in pretty much furthering the field of country into modern country now is like a lot of george Strait and garth brooks i mean we mm-hmm. still hear garth brooks doing things today in the country world and I feel like they kind of laid a lot of groundwork into modern country. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. I agree. All right. You got something else to say, big guy? I do not. Let's move on to you. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, something cool that we wanted to kind of wrap up the show with um, is actually movies. I mean, the 80s was fantastic for music and also really big for the movie industry and they actually dubbed the 1980s age of the blockbuster both in um, influential movies to pretty much lay a foundation for um, cinematics in the future as well as um, home movie rental i mean vcrs <laughs> vcrs were a big thing in the 80s um in in the home of movie rentals when you you know brought the movie home to you after it's been released and you enjoy a movie for your family and all that good stuff um, VCRs are pretty much non-existent anymore, but <laughs> yeah, I don't I even think we have one things. in our house at all, let alone like connected to a TV. I think we actually have a whole shelf back at home with all VCRs, and we still have our very first like VCR winder. Oh, okay. That you put in there yep. and then like shove it down, and it would go like bzzz all the way back. <laughs> it's so you didn't have to leave the VCR on, and you know you couldn't watch TV while your thing was rewinding. You know, yeah, it takes way and, too much time. Do you time. remember the days? Do you remember the days when you wanted to really watch a TV show? You'd put in a blank VCR yep, and, you and then set the VCR timer to when you want to tape it. <laughs> yep, yep. I I didn't do that a lot. Just very occasionally, there'd be some something cool on TV that you know. This, I mean, the VCRs are of course when we were kids, and so I mean, normally it's you know something on late at night past your bedtime, or it was on during the day when you're at school <laughs> or something. Yeah, and it was it was it was the best. Like when you wanted to record like a movie. You'd record the movie, but fast forward through all the commercials all the time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, and but it's like kind of putting a lot of trust into a sketchy technology, though, because you could totally <laughs> be hosed if something screws up midway through, like, your um, your recording. Or if some, for whatever reason, like, you screw oh up the gosh. AM or PM time on the recording. Oh, oh I've been there. <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> Literally the worst. Oh, my God. Or, or, or when the tape ended. Oh, yeah. Or, like... Like or, you didn't start we it in the ce- like you started it in the center, not the beginning or something dumb like yeah. that. <laughs> well, like you taped over something that was previously there, and there'd be bits and pieces of the last stuff. <laughs> yeah, boy, these are some first oh world problems, gosh. aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, man. So dive us straight into what the age of the blockbuster brought us. I mean, we in at this point in time, we see some movies that are they're huge. I mean, they're still crazy popular today. Um, we have E. T. Um, everyone knows who E.T. is. It doesn't matter who you are. You've seen E.T. E.T. Phone home. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. And so we see, of course, Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, which, I mean, it's, you know, part of the greatest movie franchise in all time. 
undisputed. Which still carrying on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a topic for another episode, whether or not they're overdoing it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of a spoiler alert for another show. <laughs> Oops. And uh, <laughs> another huge one is I am like a huge fan of the, the Indiana Jones, and of course Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. Um, really started it all, man. Yeah, and it was interesting. We were uh, this was we wa- got the guys together and we had watched Indiana Jones a while back when Stool was still in session, and we got to looking up Indiana Jones stuff, and we we found. Do you, do you remember talking about this? No, we were talking about how Indiana Jones. It kind of started a resurgence of people wanting to be archaeologists. Oh yeah, I remember hearing about that. I remember I was reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, I know what you're talking that's about. kind of interesting because it's you know it's so wildly fictional, but still people are so into it and they're really excited about archaeology and they're you know they're wanting to take that career path, which I kind of I kind of think that's pretty cool. That a movie, you know, it's not like it's a document uh, documentary or anything like that where it, you know anything real. I mean they're. You know, it's a college professor fighting Nazis and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. getting people all excited about, you know, digging up bones and treasure and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the coolest thing because, I mean, that being such a big blockbuster, it really connected with people. And the fact that, like, yeah, it might be a fantasy world, but being an Indiana Jones-like person isn't too hard to do. Right, yeah. I mean, it kind of brings the adventurer, you know... Uh, lifestyle kind of you know it's not like you you know you don't go to the movie theater and watch it once and then that's it you know you can watch it on uh, if you buy it I mean you could watch it whenever you want it kind of gets ingrained and it's you can watch it and study it and that's just you can really uh, you can it kind of builds a a want or desire to you know be the adventurer an adventurous lifestyle yeah so, whatever you do just just don't look at the arc. <laughs> yeah, close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so to to kind of round out this list, we also have the quoted teen movies like uh, The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, a um, couple of movies that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, what? I, I don't. Come on, man. The Breakfast Club is classic. Uh, it might be a classic, but it's not good. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but. We also got Ferris Bueller's Day Off in the '80s, which is, you know, arguably one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. Who? What's that actor's name again? Oh uh, boy. Anyway, he's looking. He's looking kind of ratchet. <laughs> oh really? Nowadays. No, I haven't seen him recently. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not ratchet, but he's definitely gained a few pounds. Oh, he's looking he looks pretty older. rough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we can't say too much when we're uh, getting older, anyway. Yeah. I mean, a whole twenty-two. I think we got some time. <laughs> anyway um cool so uh yeah ferris bueller's day, day off is a fantastic one yeah that's one um, of those movies i that just love it I, i'm sorry go ahead <laughs> i just loved it when like they drove the vet and they're like oh we need to get these miles off of here so they just put it in reverse for three hours <laughs> yeah it wasn't a vet man come on it wasn't? No. I thought it was always a... What was it? Uh, I think it was a really old Ferrari. Was it? I can't remember I like the model. Vet. No, of course it wasn't a vet. Damn. I knew it was red. It was red. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You know what? We love we love the movie. I haven't seen it in a while. Anyway. 
We're going to wrap this up. <laughs> All right. So make sure you check us out. Rate, subscribe, and share on iTunes and Google Play. You can find us by searching Young Nostalgia on the iTunes store or the podcast app. And uh, go to podcast on your Google Play. Type in Young Nostalgia and you'll be able to find us. Um, find our Facebook and Twitter accounts on the badges on our Podbean page at youngnostalgia.podbean.com. Um, and let us know what you think. If you want to be a guest or if you got a little plug for the show, anything you want us to improve, give us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. Anything else, big guy? Yeah. I mean, uh, talking about any feedback is good feedback. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to tell us your life story or anything like that. It could be just something simple like, you know, great show, love it. Um, or, hey, not so good. This is, you know, maybe some uh, constructive criticism. Any, anything, really. I mean, it's it's all helpful. Yeah, really something to get us just grounded and um, looking where we need to go and what you guys want to hear. Please rate on iTunes. It'll give us a, um, a nice boost, and it'll let other people share the love of Young Nostalgia that you guys have. So that's what we need. Um, anyway, our next episode next week, tune in. We're super excited. Um, it's going to be all the influential moments in television and broadcast, and we'll be talking about the important people, important uh, milestones in television and telebroadcasting as well. So we're super excited. Um, tune in, and it'll kind of be a piggyback off of our radioactive um, episode all about the influential moments in radio. It's going to so be a great one. Don't s- miss it. Uh, I know. It's going to be awesome. Um, we're super excited to bring it to you guys. So I'm Nolan, and on behalf of Ben, as we always say, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.